part one chapters eight and nine of on piety by jean Gebert. this librivox recording is in the public domain part one the nature of piety chapter eight piety is maintained by external exercises although life is an interior activity it would perish if it remained concentrated within us its flame would soon be put out if it were shut in a closed vessel and deprived of air moreover what is the sign by which you recognize that a creature is alive if it moves and feeds you say it lives and further acting and eating seem to be not only signs of life but also necessary conditions for its preservation without motion and food all life ceases and it is the same with piety external exercises are indispensable to its maintenance on the ground that it is an interior activity do not so far relegate it within that nothing of it appears outside that would quickly bring it to naught be sure that external regularity in piety however edifying it may be has not for its object the attraction of the attention of others so much as the awakening and nourishment in yourself of the religious life and beware of the fatal delusion of making any reduction in your visible acts of religion if you have at heart an ardent faith you will not be able to bury it there it is overflowing by nature and it needs signs of outward expression the more it is alive within the more it will break forth outwardly in your best impulses of piety when the love of god fires your heart with most ardour you have knelt down and stretched out your arms towards the crucifix you have gone to prostrate yourself before the tabernacle you have passed hours of meditation in the silent corner of a church and you have perhaps uttered burning words every time an impetus of life has been felt in your soul there has inevitably sprung from it as out of some deep spring manifestations that could not be repressed give then free course to such effusions of piety for in thus overflowing in addition to the joy with which it inundates you it increases in intensity the external acts of piety are very rightly called exercises the good that is done to the life of the body by physical exercises spiritual exercises effect in the same way for the life of the soul all living powers are increased by action you would then condemn your soul to progressive atrophy if you deprived it of the good of daily exercises and on the contrary you will develop and strengthen it if you stir up your faculties with the acts of religion the more you pray the more will you get a taste and aptitude for prayer the more regular you are in pious reading the more will you feel a holy activity in doing it the more faithful you are in following the sacred offices of the church the more you will love them to omit from distaste a certain part of the exercises of piety is to run the risk of soon doing without them altogether 
and wisdom bids us rather to overcome the first attacks of interior weariness by still greater diligence in the same way as in the depths of the winter energetic motion imparts a glow to limbs frozen with cold because it thoroughly stirs the vitality within so when desolated with spiritual cold the violent fulfilment of the motions and exercises of piety awakens the life of the soul and restores its fervour therefore during periods of languor make use of the remedy recommended by experience and common sense moreover these languors are usually brought about by a want of interior nourishment for there are more souls than one would suppose who in the service of god let themselves die of hunger bread is within their reach both the bread of supernatural grace and that of human help but they do not make use of it but the great good of pious exercises faithfully fulfilled is just this that they feed the soul with the spiritual bread that is necessary to its life in return for the sacrifices that you undertake in order to make room for your spiritual exercises amidst your occupations and to pray in spite of your dryness god recompenses you with an increase of grace during the hours that you spend even in aridity beneath the eyes of the father his gifts fall upon you like a blessed rain that waters and makes you bear fruit by the holy inspirations that he gives you by the pious readings in which you spend your time and by the spiritual instructions that you go to hear he sheds upon you his light and he stirs within you the glow of his love all these are benefits of which you would have been deprived if you had omitted your exercises by neglect say not that all this is a loss of time for during the hours you devote to him even if they yield no consolation god sows in your soul seeds which contain in germ the harvests of the future may these motives make you resolve on the faithful observance of the exercises which a wise director would prescribe to one in your position it is not a good thing for such exercises to take up the whole of the day nor even the greater part of your time for you have duties of your state to fulfil and you must remember that the duties of your state ought not to come between you and god even if you are sufficiently at leisure to give all your time to piety you ought not to be advised to do it it would indeed be a bad thing for your mind to be always on the strain if it had not long intervals of rest it would end by breaking down or becoming dulled moreover the thought of god will follow you amidst your work and even if it were to become unconscious and entirely virtual its impulse will nevertheless be the force that will guide you you will then take a reasonable time for your exercises of piety what is it to be you will fix it according to the leisure left you by the duties of your state 
if you are a religious whether living in community or not you will first of all fulfil in their integrity the exercises prescribed for you in your rule for it is to their strict observance that for you divine grace is attached but since nothing better arouses our activity than the acts that we do spontaneously you will add to the exercises of the rule some personal exercises even if they only be a few minutes of prayer or of reading so that their initiative may be in the eyes of god a testimony of your generosity if you are living in the world but with a firm resolve to live a life of piety in it your regulations will include some daily vocal prayers such as the morning and evening prayer and the recitation of the rosary some mental prayers such as meditative prayer and visits to the blessed sacrament pious reading for at least a quarter of an hour in some ascetical work and above all the sacraments of penance and of the holy eucharist holy mass and holy communion will be the essential acts of religion towards which all the other exercises should converge as a constant preparation if you are one of those who are so numerous in our modern society whose hours are wholly consumed with intercourse and business your religious exercises will be certainly very curtailed nevertheless you will set aside during the day a few scarcely noticeable moments not less religiously observed than the times for meals during which you will devote yourself to the business of your soul and to the worship of god to you also the treasures of piety may be opened but on the following conditions morning and evening you will pray upon your knees twice a day you will enter into your conscience for a few seconds in the morning to arrange the order of your time and in the evening to examine the use you have made of it not a single day will pass without your giving a few minutes to feed your heart and mind on some good religious reading and lastly amidst all your occupations you will carry with you the thought of god and the desire to be kind to your fellow-men such a limited scheme is within the reach of those who are most taken up with business happy are they if in addition thereto and to attending mass on sundays and feast days they are able also to hear mass and say the rosary daily note in conclusion that this regularity in pious exercises demands as much flexibility as delicacy if it requires exactitude still there must be no rigidity just as negligence would be harmful so inflexibility would be out of place a duty of one's state of life must always take precedence of an exercise of piety and often a deed of charity will have to come first for if we consider rightly we only cultivate piety in order to be virtuous and good and it would be to do an injury to piety if we were to put it before the end it has in view chapter nine 
piety requires mortification as the stone falls towards the centre of gravity and as the compass points towards the magnetic pole so the soul of man as soon as it is free takes its bearings towards god and goes straight to him by means of piety it is indeed of importance to increase the power of the inward attraction that draws us towards god but it is still more necessary to set our souls free from the ties that hinder our impulses and check our steps for we are captives and it is our moral chains that fetter our piety do we really altogether mean to be pious then we must work for our deliverance the virtue which has the effect of liberating the soul is called mortification there are two degrees of mortification it is first of all a deliverance and afterwards it may become a holocaust its first object is to establish within us the rule of god over our passions that have been subdued and so far as this all are bound to it if they make any pretence of living as virtuous christians when it has once subdued a man to god it is able to sacrifice to his glory the flesh that has been already brought under control and the soul that is subjected to obedience but this immolation of the carmelite or the carthusian remains optional for instance however excellent the maceration of the body may be it is not obligatory it is of mortification as a means of deliverance that jesus says if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me matthew chapter sixteen verse twenty four and again what doth it profit a man if he gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his own soul matthew chapter sixteen verse twenty six and st paul gives a very definite commentary on these words when he says if you live according to the flesh you shall die but if by the spirit you mortify the deeds of the flesh you shall live romans chapter eight verse thirteen mortification then kills the germs of death and therefore it gives the seeds of life favourable conditions for development the life of piety which is both the principle and the fruit of the divine activity within us could not therefore subsist and grow without mortification since it is admitted that piety is a free and ready impulse of love towards god a soul will only be really pious if it has broken with all external hindrances and removed those that are within it is the work of mortification to accomplish this twofold deliverance what piety can you expect to find in a soul that is dissipated and engrossed in things external god is not to be met with in the squares of the town he only gives himself to those who look for him in their own hearts how then perchance has it happened to you to go out of yourself through curiosity your eyes being open to all the sights around you wanted to see everything to feast to the full on every novelty 
and to stop in front of every picture your ears eager to hear everything listen to every tale incited people to backbiting if not to calumny and became the receptacle of every rumour in the world around you your steps were bent in the direction of ribald and frivolous company and wherever it was impossible to reflect upon oneself and at the same time in your vanity you tried to attract the attention of others and for this end you displayed in your outward appearance and in your words all that could give you some personal merit and hence you were not at all anxious about having some real worth within provided that you were able by some tawdry outward glitter to catch the eye lastly your sensuous feeling was easily captured in the snare of vulgar pleasure and worldly attachments you took to the world in order to get more enjoyments and your heart became entangled in a net the meshes of which it could not break through and do you think that a soul so far an absentee from itself so fast a prisoner in a foreign land can go to meet its god and run towards him no for certainty in such a state piety is impossible if however you have good desires begin by entering within yourself gather together your scattered powers your mind your heart your imagination and your senses break the bonds that keep you a captive i do not say the bonds of your business affairs and of your just connections but the chains that weigh so heavily on your hands and feet this breaking away this brave recapture of yourself will be your first act of mortification and the second will be the vigilance you show in not letting yourself go again your eyes will be veiled with a modesty and caution that will not allow them to be the open doors by which your soul was wont to run far away from you your ears too will be discreet chaste and closed to news from without you will no longer make a foolish display of yourself in your clothes and speech and you will be more anxious to be than to appear you will make a sacrifice of things that gratify the senses and you will ever have a hand upon your heart ready to protect it from robbers it is upon these conditions that you will be at home with yourself by mortification piety will become possible to you nevertheless you have not yet accomplished the conquest of yourself for when you have been set free from things external you will still have to escape slavery within alas man is not always at liberty even in his own house indeed i believe that the reason that so many people like to wander away from their own hearts is because the heart itself is a harder tyrant to them than all the external masters whose yoke they bear this is why interior mortification is so important but its object is so subtle that it is hard to grasp and so difficult that it requires the exertion of more strength to gain it have you not felt that your flesh is a capricious slave 
sometimes it is heavy and idle sometimes on the contrary weak and incapable of effort when well fed it rebels when too starved it becomes refractory when its ill-regulated appetites are awakened what humiliations what dangers what anguish of conscience what obsessions of the imagination its coarse appeals are sometimes so noisy that the pure voices of sanctity are as it were stifled by them and add to this the vile suggestions of over-susceptibility and jealousy over-susceptibility that inner outbreak of wounded pride which makes us believe that people have been wanting in regard for us and that they have trespassed upon what is due to us and that they cherish perverse purposes against us jealousy that secret poison of the heart made of the vexation we feel at the merit or success of others and yet i say nothing about the selfish ambition that only regards the world with reference to itself which is aggravated by the happiness of others as if it were a personal calamity which will be responsible for nothing to anybody which demands everything for itself pleasure honour wealth and power such is a rapid survey of the enemies that contend for our soul the saints have felt no less than you the interior conflicts between the manifold passions of humanity st paul complains of them even with bitterness who shall deliver me from the body of this death he asks romans chapter seven verse twenty four my grace is sufficient for thee was the answer romans chapter seven verse twenty five and two corinthians chapter twelve verse nine as if the spirit of god had said to him thou shalt not destroy it but by my grace thou shalt bring it under thy rule and we well know that it was by mortification that the great apostle won the mastery over himself and established order and peace in his own heart for he makes this confession i chastise my body and bring it into subjection one corinthians chapter nine verse twenty seven and you too will rule yourselves by mortification you will treat your flesh as a slave who is not to be flattered or maltreated you will keep it in a proper equilibrium if it is subject to evil inclinations you will administer correction until it has learned to obey but you will carefully avoid reading sights reveries and conversations which might arouse it with terrible awakenings in proportion as you bridle the flesh the interior passions will grow weaker you will however keep watch over your heart in order to stifle them in their beginnings jealousy will get no hold upon you if you are large-hearted enough to thank god for the welfare of your brothers sensitiveness will not lead you to fire up in anger if kind-heartedness enables you to take the doings of others in good part and lastly selfishness will be trampled under foot if you can forget yourself and not expect anything from anybody 
and if you cultivate in yourself the desire to be of service this interior mortification which brings forth the moral life or the life of holiness is only acquired by degrees and as it grows it enables the soul to start on its upward flight a little of such mortification makes piety already easier and when piety is gained more activity it imparts more energy for mortification and thus by the mutual reaction of favourable influences mortification and piety combined help the christian to advance in the love and possession of god end of part one chapter nine